Good morning and Merry Christmas. If I haven't said that to you yet today, Merry Christmas. Glad you guys are here. Uh, today is the fourth week in our series cast of Christmas. Next week there's one more message, but we'll deal with that. You'll want, you're probably wondering, wait a minute, Christmas is tomorrow. How can there be one more? Okay, you'll just have to come and find out. <laughs> okay, so how many of you are getting together with family later today or tomorrow? All right, most of us are getting together with somebody. That's good. That's good. Uh, sometimes when Christmas isn't on a Sunday, uh, people have things they like to do on that day, like eating breakfast at C's, maybe, or Perkins. You never know. Well, here's a little account of Grandpa, what he used to do. Uh, Grandpa would go to his favorite restaurant in his hometown for his holiday breakfast on Christmas. And he would always have Eggs Benedict. And just before they would bring his order, Grandpa would make a special request, and he'd hand over this hubcap that he had washed up from his old Studebaker, and he'd give it to the waitress, and he'd say, would you mind serving me my breakfast on this? Of course, that's kind of an odd request. Uh, but the waitress always complied. But one year, she was just like, it just been too many times. She just said, you know what, I just have to ask. Uh, why do you always have me serve your eggs Benedict on this hubcap every Christmas morning? And Grandpa said, well, this is why. There's no plate like chrome for the hollandaise. I'd say that's a dad joke, but I told it, so I guess it's a mom joke. <laughs> okay, so it's good to be home for Christmas. It's good to be with family for Christmas. Whether you're visiting or you're at home, I just want you to know that you are welcome here and we're glad you're here today. I have a group question for all of us. Uh, what are some of the things you enjoy about Christmas? The Christmas music, family, food, the atmosphere. Yeah, you can tell it's Christmas. And you said joy? The joy, yeah. Uh, that's great. I've always loved Christmas time and its traditions. Uh, when I grew up, we had some traditions that we uh, carried on and carried into our adult years. Uh, I love the special food, just like you, Pastor Steve. I'm, I'm a fan of the food. I love the season of Christmas because of what it means. And I love the lights, you know, all the um, lights on the houses and in the on the trees. And I love the music. I mean... Anytime you hear the melody of a Christmas song, you almost always want to start humming along, right? Yeah. And Christmas Eve is such a wonderful time, too. When I was little, it was, it was wonderful. We couldn't wait until Christmas Eve, because that's when we opened all the gifts. And the closer it got, the harder the wait was. And sometimes we'd look under the tree to see if we could guess what was in the boxes with our names on them. And you could pick them up and shake them and see what, can you guess what's in there? Can you tell by the weight? Or, or, or maybe even a little before that, we'd kind of look in the closets to see if we could figure out if there was a gift in there. Where is mom hiding it? Right, okay. Like most kids when I was growing up, if you had asked me what Christmas uh, was all about, I probably would have said Jesus. Yeah, I would have said it's all about Jesus. But in my heart, I would have been thinking... And the gifts. And the gifts. Totally love the gifts part of it when I was a kid. And no matter 
how hard I would try to just focus on Jesus' birthday, uh, I would feel like ripping right into those packages under the tree. And as a child, I wanted it to all be about Jesus for sure. But the presents, that was a pretty strong deal too. So <laughs> I'm not sure if I should admit this to you as I'm standing here talking about the Christmas message, but I'm pretty excited for tonight to see what I'm getting for Christmas. Really, yeah. And I'm excited to see how my family reacts to the presents I give them. Because that's part of the deal too, right? Yes. So I'm not going to ask you to pretend like there aren't other things going on in, in your mind. I'm not going to ask you to pretend that you don't really care about the gifts, the food, the family time, the celebration. Because I know the power of food and presents. Um, I am, however, going to ask you today to take this short time we have here in the service together to pause with me for a moment and focus on the greatest gift that has ever been given. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read the account of the birth of Jesus. Luke 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She placed him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Okay, and then it goes on in the story and tells us about the shepherds in the field getting the message, but let's just focus on this first part. Luke 2 presents the gift to us. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Jesus' arrival tells us so much about how he operates in our lives. The gift first presented himself in a way that was similar to how Jesus presents himself to us even today. His parents had left their hometown of Nazareth to be registered in that census. And as they came, you know, obviously they probably took a little longer to get there because Mary's pregnant. She's not going to be running along the path. She's going to, you know, she's going to be a little uncomfortable. It's almost time for the baby to be born. And so they took a little slower. So by the time they got there, they couldn't find a place to stay. The town was packed because people from all over came back to the, the uh, town where, uh, that represented their tribe. You know, the tribe they were part of, the line they were part of. And Joseph and Mary, part of the line of David, had to go back to Bethlehem. And it's a remarkable event when you consider who Jesus is. He's the Almighty One. And, and he's being born, and there's no place for him. John 1.3 says, Through him all things were made, and without him nothing that has been made. Nothing was made that has been made. So that tells us that, He's the creator of the universe, and here's the time for him to be born into a human form to dwell with us, and there's no place for him. Jesus has the ability to peel back the heavens, to stop time, to thunder to the ends of the earth. 
yet no room for him when he arrived. The way he was received, or more accurately, the way he was ignored, speaks so much about how we can respond to him at this very moment. The manner of his arrival reminds us that Jesus doesn't force himself on anybody. He doesn't force himself on us to receive him. He doesn't make threats. He doesn't beg. And he doesn't make a big display of it. Instead, his arrival that night and in his arrival now, he offers us all this quiet invitation, a call to be welcomed in and welcomed home in the dark night of our own hearts. It's no coincidence that that inn was too crowded for him. How ironic that the one who came to welcome us back home to a relationship with God spent his first night in the rough, lying in a feeding trough because no one could welcome him in. The circumstances of his birth show how people through the ages would misunderstand and reject him. More often than not, the rejection is really just that they just don't have room for Jesus in their life. They don't have room for him in their hearts. And they just ignore that great gift and the great invitation that Jesus extends to us all. In the last few weeks, our church has been looking at a cast of characters in this amazing arrival and rescue mission of Jesus. And as we remember each of their responses to Jesus' arrival, let's consider our response to to the fact that Jesus has arrived right here in this place as well. Jesus is here right now wanting to be a bigger part of your life or maybe even to become part of your life for the first time. In fact, if you've never responded to Jesus' uh, invitation and arrival by giving your life to him, there will be an opportunity to do so this morning. Perhaps you can already sense that he's knocking at the door of your heart. So what we've looked at so far are prophets, angels, shepherds, and today Mary and Joseph, and all had this important part to play in this wonderful arrival of our Lord and Savior. They responded to Jesus, each of them, in unique but wonderful ways. So let's consider, two our responses as we consider how Jesus came that day, that Christmas day long ago. But before we look at those responses, let's look at some of the common responses that people might have on Christmas. Many people feel that God's primarily concerned with our behavior. You know, like, better be good because God's watching. It's kind of like Santa Claus, right? Like they say Santa Claus sees you when you're sleeping. Well, that's not true. But Jesus does. So we all think, well, you know, what about my behavior? And so some people think that, uh, you know, he's concerned just with their behavior. And we feel that God's pleased with good people and mad at bad people. Many of us look to our own goodness or maybe our less badness. And as we consider Jesus' arrival on earth, many of us hope in the idea that we really aren't bad people. You know, we just made a few mistakes here and there, right? Most of us, after all, haven't murdered anyone. And uh, the problem with that approach is that our comparison of goodness kind of seems a little ridiculous in the light of the goodness of God. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about people comparing themselves with themselves. And this isn't the thing that we want to be doing. We want to look to God and see, okay, there's this gap, and how how can it be met? So here's the thing. Let's say the planet Mars represents the goodness 
of the average person. Okay, just that volume represents the goodness of the average person. And perhaps your goodness is a bit greater than that. You know, maybe your goodness is the size of Earth. That's bigger. Which, according to space.com, is about uh, twice the size of Mars. So say you're twice as good as other people. Everyone would say, hey, <laughs> well done. Good job. The problem is, in comparison to us, God's goodness is closer to the sun. It's actually uh, unlimited, but for this example, okay? According to Universe Today, you could fit 1.3 million Earths into the sun. You can quickly see that in light of the goodness and holiness of God, there's quite a difference between him and us. And uh, the differences between all of us, each other, aren't even worth mentioning. We know that People like Stalin, Hitler, and Pol Pot were evil. But the truth is, our goodness is much closer to that evil than to the holiness of God. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this is the holiday where we remember that God took this huge step towards us by sending his son Jesus. The human race was in trouble. And he created us to be with him, and our hearts had turned far from him. There was a barrier between us and our creator that had to be dealt with. And if a couple thousand years of Jewish history teaches us anything, it's that the answer wasn't going to be found in our own effort and by just trying harder. God took this big step towards us by coming to live with us to show us the way and to remove that barrier of sin by his death on the cross. It's not about being good that gets us into that relationship with God. It's about being right with God through Jesus Christ. I know that some of us are here right now because it's expected or even required. Mom said everyone had to go to church today, <laughs> so you're here. And if you find yourself that you'd rather be done with all this religious stuff so we can get home and get to the good stuff. Um, if you find that that's you, I want you to know that I get it. And I'm really grateful that you're here today and honored by your presence here with us. The simple story of Christmas isn't about this church, and it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with God. Uh, it's about love, life, freedom, joy, you already made up your mind and you're shutting out this simple story, I'd ask you to consider a different response today. Uh, try to look beyond all you've heard about Jesus and all the things you've seen people do in the name of Jesus and try to find out for yourself who Jesus is. In the back, we have a table that Pastor Steve is at, and there are some Bibles on it. And we'd love for you to take one if you don't already have a Bible. Before you completely close the door to Jesus, I, I encourage you to grab a Bible. And it's written in um, real easy to understand English. It's not in that, you know, holier than thou, New King James or King James version. <laughs> it's in really good, easy to understand. And turn it over to Matthew. That's kind of the beginning of the New Testament. And you, there's a table of contents in the beginning. Turn to Matthew and read it straight through to the end of the section, John. 
And those pages are about Jesus' life, and they're also called the Gospels. It's a little more than 100 pages of reading altogether. And you, you can decide whatever you like about the music or the service, but don't shut the door on Jesus until you've taken a look for yourself at who he really is and what his birth really means to us. And this isn't a question of what church you go to. Uh, this is a question of what eternity holds for you. It's a question of who God is, what God wants, and what your life could mean in the answer to those questions. The stakes are high enough, it's at least worth taking a serious look at. How should you respond to the account of Jesus being born? So how to respond to Christmas this year? God's had been talking about this arrival for thousands of years before it took place, and it's amazing to think that the words about Jesus' birth and death were recorded hundreds and even thousands of years before he was born. Through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the prophets knew that we were in trouble. We needed a Savior. And they spoke of his coming. And we can respond to Christmas this year the way the prophets did. We can eagerly and earnestly look to him. So the first thing to how to respond, eagerly look for Jesus and his grace. The best response we can have is to eagerly look for him and his grace. The prophets have left us a powerful example. They believed in him even though they never saw him. I mean, think about that. They never saw Jesus, and yet they knew he was coming, and they believed in him, uh, even though he hadn't been born. We can respond like the prophets of old that believed that the Messiah from God would come to save us for our sin because on our own we could not be good enough. We can also respond like the shepherds. They saw the angels appear before them. A great choir joined them, and they were wondering what it was all about. And some of us respond to Jesus by wondering if we're missing something, and we feel like we don't have the inside track or that uh, insider knowledge. And you don't have to be anything you're not or pretend to feel anything you don't. As the angels appeared to the shepherds, announcing that a Savior had come and that he was nearby in a stable, uh, in their curiosity, the shepherds didn't just stand there and point at the sky, like, whoa, did you just see that? They didn't just sit around and talk about what had happened. They said, let's go see this thing that they told us about, this thing that has happened. So maybe you're a little curious. Maybe you're wondering if there's anything in the story for you or if it's just people pointing around aimlessly. To you, I'd say, just respond to Jesus and engage the Christmas story a little more than you have in the past. Think about the fact that God really is love. Maybe you've seen God's greatness in the beauty of the world, and you've experienced his brilliance in your own heart. At the same time, you can see there's something broken in the world, right? There's something that's not quite right. And at some level, even something in your own heart is broken. The cross of Jesus is the great intersection of those two important truths about God. First, God's justice demands holiness and payment for sin. And second, God provided the payment through the death of Jesus. He's reaching out to you in love right now. The Bible says in Romans 2.4 that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. 
So if you're curious like the shepherds were, I want to encourage you to respond by opening up your heart this Christmas and see that the first Christmas was God's expression of love and kindness towards you. God showed that love by sending his son Jesus to remove judgment and guilt from your life, the guilt of sin. So we want to respond by eagerly looking for Jesus and his grace. And then secondly, we want to take a step in God's direction. Take a moment to respond to him, even right now, with what you're thinking and feeling about it all. It might just be a simple prayer. It might be, God, I really do want to know you. Please start showing me who you are. God cares about the pain and the brokenness that you've seen and felt, and even if it's some that you may have caused yourself. Because he cares about you, he took a giant leap towards you on Christmas when he came to earth as a man. And what he wants in return is for you today to take a step towards him. The third thing we want to do is to allow Jesus space in our hearts. The shepherds didn't bring any gifts, you know, they just went themselves. They simply went to see the baby born to save us all. No gifts, just themselves. And your response is a gift more precious to God than anything you could bring. You, could, you can bring that wonderful gift by allowing God's space in your heart. Your response is simply to give more of yourself over to him, to tell him thank you, and to thank him. You just want to give him more devotion and space in your life. Because when you do this, it will be met in a joyful communion of God giving more of himself to you. You know, that's that verse about seek God. If you seek God, he'll be found. God's not hiding it from you. He say, if you take a step toward me, I'm taking steps toward you. He desires to give more of himself, to have that communion with you because of the connection and closeness that he offers us. We're going to look back at one more response at Jesus' arrival that can make we can all make together no matter uh, who we identify with from the first Christmas, whether it's prophets, shepherds, Mary, Joseph. Before we do that, I want to give everyone a chance to respond to Jesus in your own way by reaching out to him right now. If you've never given your heart or life to Jesus but you want that relationship with God, You can begin that right now. We'll start with a simple prayer together, and I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and I just want you to repeat after me. And let's all do it so that nobody feels, you know, embarrassed if they're the only one. So let's all repeat after me in this prayer. And I want you to understand that this prayer is not the end of everything here. You know, it's the beginning of that relationship with Jesus Christ, and it will change the rest of your life. If you decide to respond to Jesus in this way, you're making a decision to do things his way instead of your own. You're admitting that you've sinned and that you need forgiveness that only comes through faith in Jesus, through his death and resurrection on the cross. And you're deciding to live for him and give your life for him. And in return, he'll meet you. He'll transform you. He'll set you free of the things of the past. He'll fill you with his Holy Spirit, and he'll never leave you. You'll receive salvation, and you can live by his word for the rest of your life. 
So if you desire to make that commitment as we're saying this prayer, just engage your heart with this too and make this personal for you. Dear God, I admit I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Please forgive me of my sins. I want to follow Jesus and to put my faith in his death and resurrection. I give you my life. Please come into my heart and fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we make that kind of a decision, when we pray that kind of prayer, that's the most important beginning of our lives. I want to encourage you, if you have made that decision, to keep pressing in to that decision. And we invite you to be part of the life of this church so you can grow in that commitment. God will use this church and the transformation that he will create within you for the rest of your life. Maybe you're here and you've made a decision to follow Jesus before. Today we can desire to be closer to God. Jesus came so that we all could have that relationship with God as our Heavenly Father and that we could experience peace and joy and the love of God in a real way. So if you would stand with me as we close, just ask you to bow your heads. If you desire more of this relationship with God, if you desire to be closer to him and to live a life that honors him, to experience all that Jesus has for you, if you'd say, that's me, I want that, raise your hand today. Thank you. Lord God, we thank you that so many years ago you sent your son to be born, to live that life and then die for us on the cross and be raised from the dead so we could have that relationship with you. Lord God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to grow in that relationship with you, to get closer each day as we read your word, as we follow you, Lord Jesus, as we see you working in our hearts and our lives, as we see you transforming us more into the image of Jesus. Lord God, I thank you that we can live victorious lives, that we do not have to be people uh, living as victims. We can live as victors as we follow you. We thank you that you give us that power in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we receive all that you have for us. Lord, help us this week as we celebrate Christmas to use that time to draw close to you. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us. Thank you that you love us so much that you provided the way for us to come to you. Lord, as we celebrate this day of Christmas Eve, as we celebrate Christmas, help us to focus on that love and how awesome and amazing that is. And Lord, thank you that your holiness, your love, your peace, your joy, those things are unlimited because you, Father, are unlimited. And so, Lord, we just receive everything, and we want to keep growing in that faith, keep growing closer to you each day. Thank you, Father, for this time to uh, get together, to have fellowship together, and to remember what you did for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.